You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 146, 16 Volt. Hosted by Dan Terry. We should get fucking Corpse Grinder on there to do the voice. And Joseph Wren. I'm Mr. B6. Look at me. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you thought the manual said 16 amps instead of 16 volts, then you are dead because that is a terrible misunderstanding of Ohm's Law. I'm pretty sure you caused a small explosion. There may be no survivors. I don't know, dude. You're definitely dead. It, it only takes a thousand milliamps to kill you, so that's one amp. So you're going to multiply it by 16. And if you multiplied by 16, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Industrial December continues. We're learning all about how to do electrical math. I'm going to suggest that for the remainder of this episode, we don't try to define Ohm's Law any further than we already understand it. You know, it's funny. I did a job interview a few years ago with a guy, and I was like, yeah, man, I went to electrical school. We learned all about Ohm's Law and shit like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, what is Ohm's Law? And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't remember, man. That was like 10 years ago. It's a math equation typically depicted as a triangle. Still got the job. Amps, volts, watts. It's a thing. For anybody that doesn't know, Ohm's Law is V equals IR, with V being voltage, I being current, and R being resistance. What does that have to do with our discussion on 16 volt tonight? Absolutely nothing. It's about to get industrial as fuck in here. It definitely will be industrial as fuck for a little while. Then they then they kind of start wanting to do something a little different, something that I like. And what is it that you like? that 16 volt does in 2016 versus 1993 guitars they basically wanted to be nine inch nails <laughs> guitars <laughs> there were guitars on the old releases which we'll get into but uh definitely not like it is now now they're actually like capable of producing a quote-unquote banger and uh i just don't feel like the old 16 volt that that was even their goal which is fine but i mean i'm definitely here for bangers well, before we go beating even more dead horses, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews. We love subscribers. We love people that share the episodes. That's what we want. We want you guys to share the episodes. Whenever that little notification pops up that we have a new episode on whatever social media platform that you use, be that Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube's technically social media, right? But for how much longer? I'm not entirely certain on that. Uh, apparently YouTube's about to like burn down. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what's going on with YouTube, but uh, hopefully it doesn't affect any of our any of our favorite YouTubers. You know what I appreciate? Patreon. Patreon, we appreciate so much. You guys give to our Patreon every single month. It allows us to pay for our web hosting. It allows us to pay for this fancy equipment that we use to record the show. Uh, every time you know something just explodes in Joe's computer, 
you know, it's nice being able to just replace that, and you guys make that possible. It only happened one time. And we thank you guys so much for those contributions. <laughs> keep it up, guys. Keep commenting on the episodes. Keep giving us likes. Keep sharing the episodes. Keep giving us ideas on what bands we should talk about. I'll go over how to do all of that again at the end of the show. Speaking of Patreon, we got a comment from Clayton Madney on our Imploder Patreon review. Beautiful review. So glad you guys like them. I think her vocals can be a little harsh, but it fits the group really well. I definitely agree. I was into everything Imploder was doing. I enjoyed most of it. I definitely think that they're a band to keep watching out for. We got a YouTube comment on episode 142. Ginger, Module79L says, You should have compared Macro to Micro, not with King of Everything. I know Micro is an EP, but it's the record that defined Ginger's current sound. GTR Sean says, Yeah, you guys skipped right past the Micro EP. Here's the thing about EPs. I don't like talking about EPs. The show's long enough as it is. If we talked about every EP by every band, then we would never get through their discography. And you guys are probably right, and I have since gone back and listened to the micro EP, and I can definitely see what you guys are saying, but it doesn't really change my overall opinion of the band. I think that the transitions may not have been as abrupt as we complained about. But at the same time, you know, the band still did go through that transition. You would just take my feelings about macro and apply them to micro and macro as if they were one product. At some point, you still have to go back and compare it to King of Everything. Because that's where we started, or at least where we passed on our way to the latest record. Correct. So definitely not invalid comments. I totally get where you guys are coming from. I just don't think it really changes my opinion overall. So, Dan, tell me about 16 Volt. Well, 16 Volt is an industrial rock band that started, oh God, a long time ago, back in the 80s. But it's not like a ministry thing. We're not going to, you know, talk about how they started off as a new wave pop band and went on to become, I don't even know what the fuck. We already did that last year with ministry. No, 16 Volt is definitely more of a quote unquote, at least for the 90s, contemporary uh, industrial band. So you can expect something that's a little bit more Nine Inch Nails, a little bit more based in, you know, that alternative rock industrial scene from the early 90s. Thank you, Matt Nas, for pointing us Ooh. in the direction of 16 Volt for this Industrial December. Gotta go. Absolutely. I was afraid, actually, that they were going to... Like, because I looked at this discography list and I was like, holy fuck, these guys have got a lot of albums and I'm not like the best guy to talk about industrial with. Uh, but as I as I really went through with a comb and looked at it, it, it turns out that a lot of the albums that are listed as official discography entries are actually not that. So like you've got Wisdom Skin, Let Down Crush, Super Cool Nothing, and then there's like a collection of demos called Demography. But it's a collection of demos, so I'm just going to skip it. In the grand scheme of industrial, remix albums do count. As a fan, the remix albums matter to me. Nine Inch Nails is one of the biggest examples of that. But for the purposes of this podcast, we combed through. We found the albums that had unique releases of individual songs and were not blatant recreations of something that was done previously. And that is going to be the list of records we talk about for this podcast. God help me, Industrial December 2020, we're going to have to start preparing for now because KMFDM has like, what, 45 albums? One of these days we're going to do that episode just so I can say I fucking did it. <laughs> but it is not this day. 
to quote Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Hey, speaking of Lord of the Rings, don't we don't we have something coming out Lord of the Rings related soon? If you're referring to the first episode of Movie Mosh, it will be releasing before the end of the year. I'm very excited about that. I hope you guys are too. Back on track. They released Demography in 2000, and then they released Super Cool Nothing version 2.0 in 2002. And then it was the best of 16 volt in 2005. I'm going to assume that the band had just been on a hiatus during those years. And that's why we got these kind of re-releases. So, like, it might seem weird to you guys that we're going to jump from Super Cool Nothing right into Full Black Habit, which was, like, nine years later. Uh, And then, you know, obviously American Porn Songs beating Dead Horse, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so yeah, like Joe said, we're just going with you know releases that have new songs and 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 you know release worthy content, so to speak. But you know definitely feel free to call us out if we miss something really awesome. 1993, Wisdom. Wisdom's kind of a fun album. It, you know we talked about Circle of Dust uh, last no two years ago now, and uh, you know we talked about how we liked that that record was almost pure industrial. And uh, this record is very is very similar to that first Circle of Dust album. And uh, what I like about it is it's it's listed as industrial metal. I can kind of hear that in the sense that it is very dark, sarcastic, you know, rough vocals, electronic drums, electronic beats, loops, everything that you want out of a good industrial record. I would even throw it out as goth industrial, even though it's not uh, tagged as that anywhere online. Um, I get that goth industrial vibe from this, and uh, I find it actually really enjoyable. I like, I like how the vocals are mostly whispered, you know, like whispered. They're not really yelled. They they can be yelled in the heavier parts. Guitars are in here, and uh, I definitely get kind of a Nine Inch Nails, Gravity Kills vibe off of it. I am not the biggest consumer of industrial metal, but I am a fan. I love music that sounds like it's being played by robots as opposed to a lot of the music today that sounds like it was programmed by a human. The early 90s industrial records had Nine Inch Nails as their template, and that driving four-on-the-floor drum beat that a lot of these records had, Wisdom is no exception. It sets that mood of we're going to be put through the machine, as it were. Totally, and, and I just like how dark it is. You know, it's got the... I would call it industrial metal if only for the vibe that it puts off, which again is just very dark, very sarcastic, very pessimistic. And uh, I just like that this band's not afraid to just make a little bit of noise and that just be the atmosphere of the track. It sounds dank. It's fun. um, It's heavy. It's everything you want out of a 1993 industrial release. It sounds like a party in somebody's basement with black lights and strobes and people are just having a fucking good time. And, you know, if you're worried that the band's going to change or be, you know, super different on their next release, well, you're in luck because they are not. Uh, And 1994 Skin, it's pretty much the same shit again with new songs, which is a really basic way of describing it, but pretty much everything that we said about Wisdom can be applied to this release as well. Although I think that, you know, the songs definitely are a little darker in places, a little bit more subdued, but still overall has that has that uh, indu- goth industrial, almost shock rock appeal to it. So why does this have the label of goth industrial, but Wisdom does not? Well, I'm calling it goth industrial. I agree with you. I'm just wondering why this one gets it. But Wisdom did not. Well, I mean, I I think I did call Wisdom goth industrial. No, no, not you, the general populace. Oh, I you know, I think that it was more of a subculture thing in the in the nineties. 
that a lot of goths went for more of this like and this is not even this is actually pretty mainstream sounding compared to some of the more underground goth industrial stuff out there i talked about some of that type of music on thrift blast uh, i had a couple of goth industrial records in there and those were almost like more alternative with some with some loops and samples thrown in whereas this definitely goes the more rock route but I think if, you know, if you're not familiar with the style, you're going to make comparisons to that more underground goth industrial stuff. I think I think if you're, you know, somebody's parent in 1994 and you hear this, you're like, oh, my God, my kid's turning into a fucking goth. And that was the big subculture. Uh-uh. I don't think so. Not in my house, kid. Yeah, totally. Like, you're not going to listen to that stuff. You're not going to listen to that stuff in my house, boy. <laughs> what I like about this kind of industrial too is that it has almost that shock rock appeal. You like, in my opinion, and people that are hardcore industrial fans might disagree. But I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, like, I don't think it's a huge jump from this to like a Marilyn Manson. Definitely not, especially in 1994. Yeah, and uh, or or a big jump from like a Marilyn Manson or like a Gravity Kills or you know again like Nine Inch Nails. And those bands almost kind of adopted more of a shock rock appeal. Like, they, they, they adopted the shock rock aesthetic. I think Rob Zombie had a lot to do with that. Hell yeah. You know, um, Hell Billy. And, uh, you know... It's coming. I think that these types of bands, like 16 Volt, they were kind of more leaning towards the alternative rock sound. And so I guess that that's why I would say that they lean more towards... They lean more towards the alternative side of things without going full shock rock. And I actually like that because it's a little bit less gimmicky. Antichrist Superstar came out in 1996. Before that, you had Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids and Beautiful Stories for Ugly Children, which set that shock rock mood that was directly lifted from the Alice Coopers of the past and present. Thank you very much. But Trent Reznor had this way, and still does, of making records that everybody was trying to cash in on if you were in that subculture genres of music. Trent Reznor had a direct hand on Antichrist Superstar. So that sound that we get, that subculture industrial sound, made it into what was inevitably a mainstream rock classic. It's a record that we all look back on fondly, even though it was the record everybody hated. Talking about skin, you're right. This has the Gravity Kills, a little bit of Skinny Puppy, the Nine Inch Nails, Circle of Dust. It's the machines are making music, and we're all into it because it's not the bullshit classic rock on 93.7 that we've all had shoved on our throats and still do since the mid to late 70s. I think the only criticism I have of 16 Volt at this point in their career, if you like this kind of music, it's great. It's kind of like if you go back to the 80s with all their all the thrash bands, how, you know, you've got Metallica at the top, they're the gold standard, but then, but you also listen to lots of bands like Megadeth or Exodus or Testament that give off kind of the same vibe. They're not doing anything original. For some reason, they're not the gold standard. Maybe if they had come to the scene first, they would have been. Uh, and I feel very much the same way with 16 Volt at this point in their career, because they are, if you're into, if you're into industrial music, you're going to love this record. 
but it's not going to be the gold standard. They're not going to be your favorite band it, unless you're just the kind of person that, you know, wants to listen to the band that's not as popular as some sort of like uh, status thing for you. Uh, but this this band is great, but they're not necessarily doing anything that's outside of the genre. They're not they're not pushing anything. And uh, and honestly, like that's perfectly fine. I'm not even saying it like it's a bad thing. Uh, people that bought this record that love industrial music, they're gonna love this record. And spoilers, they're also gonna love Let Down Crush. 1996. This one does sound a little different than Skin and Wisdom, and that's mostly because it's more of a time, a passage of time thing. The difference between 94 and 96. The one thing that, I, that I'm that i hearing on this record that I didn't hear on the previous two was a little bit of punk influence. And that's really interesting to me because, you know, uh, I thought that the previous releases were very safe, whereas this one kind of comes out of the gate with kind of more of a punk rhythm. A little, the guitar's a little bit bigger in the mix, but they're not doing the industrial metal thing. The guitars on here don't necessarily sound like a Gravity Kills. This sounds more like an orgy fan trying to make that type of music in his basement. The tonality of the record leans more towards the orgy and the Power Man 5000 and less to the Nine Inch Nails. It does sound that way, but the interesting thing is, is this was before Orgy, or at least before Orgy as we knew them. So in Once a lot again, of ways, another band gets credit for setting a standard that they were not the originators of clearly right and i think that there were probably a lot of underground bands doing this kind of music but like i said the guitar tone is different and i think that just has to do with the fact that it's 96 versus 94 the change in music from the early 90s to the mid or late 90s is astronomical like the growth that took place in like three or four short years but i really like this record because the vocals are turned up it's a little bit more uh up front the guitars, again, are heavy, but they sound different. They, they sound a little bit more alternative rock than just go for like straight metal. And it's not that it's not there. I mean, one thing that I do like about this band is they, they maintain their overall sound relatively well. And the changes are small. And you, don't, like you get four or five albums in, you're like, oh, wow, they've really changed a lot. But they don't do the gut-wrenching change that a lot of bands do from album to album. There's always something there from the previous music, the previous releases, that you're going to latch onto and still like about it. And then hopefully upon repeat listens, that's when you pick up the new stuff. 1998, Super Cool Nothing. Here's an interesting tidbit about Super Cool Nothing. Did you know that it came out the exact same day as Orgy's Candy Ass? I did not know that. August 18th, 1998, you had Super Cool Nothing and Orgy Candy Ass. There has to be something to that. This is the record I think of when I think of 16 Volt. This may be their best album. It's definitely my favorite. This is unique to me because this is when I started actually liking the band <laughs> as, as I went as I went through their discography. And that, that's not to say that their previous releases were bad. You know, they, they were three solid industrial albums, and I thought that was cool. But this record had more of its own identity. You know how I talked on the last record about how it had a little bit more of a punk influence? This definitely has that. They, they definitely throw out a lot of conventions of song structure, and they kind of start building the songs a little bit more around, like, rock, like, punk rock ideals. They're not afraid to just go a billion miles an hour really fast and then stop and then go into a chorus, and uh, and their chorus, their chorus game is very strong on this record. So it's got to be interesting because, you know, in 1998, and I'm, I'm at Best Buy or I'm at, you know, uh, 
insert name of record store that probably doesn't exist anymore. Sam Goody, wh wherever it is you were. Virgin. Yeah, Virgin. Uh, you know, back when we all were. Uh, it'd be interesting to see who went home with Candy Ass and who went home with Super Cool Nothing. I wish I had gone home with Super Cool Nothing. This is when CDs were 15 bucks. This wasn't launch day. You get the new release for eight bucks. So if I walked in with my $20, I picked up Candy Ass. I wish it was five years later and I could have picked up both records for 16 bucks. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This is an awesome record. It's got a lot of bangers on it. It's fast. It's in your face. It's the most aggressive, I think, that they've been. You know, they definitely were never, like, the heaviest band in the world, but they actually really stepped it up on this record and could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lot of modern rock that was out there, but they still had that industrial backbone. I also really like the vocals on this one because, you know, pretty much all their vocals up to this point were, you know, just like a, a whispered and then sometimes shouting. This, they'll, they'll go smooth chorus, and I love that about it. It's almost got a little bit of a filter influence there. We know you love filter. I do love filter. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, and this band definitely um, gives me a little bit of that vibe. But it's also not like really, like, I love filter, but sometimes they get a little boring. This record's not boring. This is this was one of my favorite ones by them to listen to from beginning to end. I'm definitely not bored listening to 16 Volt. I've just never been the kind of music fan that sits down and only listens to industrial. I think it takes a specific mindset to be that music fan. And I understand you are a fan of what you are a fan of, regardless of the style. That's not what I'm saying. In general, my observation, the kind of fan that listens to industrial only is the kind of person that just wants everyone else to shut up. Industrial was a style, at least back in the 90s, that gave you the audio onslaught without it being overly loud and overly compressed. The stuff sounded the way it did because we were still trying to release albums with dynamics, but we were audibly telling everyone, just go away, leave me alone. We're all gonna hang out together and listen to our music, stay outside, listen to yours. Right, right. And you know, I, I think that this, again, I, I wish I had bought this record back in 98 because I really enjoyed it. And I think it even, even today is still kind of modern sounding. I'll and put I'm this on that. today. Yeah, absolutely. I put it on this week a couple of times. Uh, a lot of the times when I'm, we're doing prep up for the show, I'll listen to the record once. And if I really like it, I'll listen to it two or three times. But uh, yeah, this one got, got two listens out of me. And uh, in, my, in my humble opinion, and maybe some hardcore uh, 16 volt fans would disagree with me. But to me, this is where the band really became its own entity. We're not imitating anymore. We're not cashing in or trying to do something that sounds like that other thing. Now we're creating music. We're doing it our way. And it doesn't just sound like that record you heard five years ago. And there's not a lot of information about what happened after this. I don't know if the band went on a hiatus or if they just kind of um, were trying to get another record deal going or, or what happened. But you don't get another release from this band until uh, nine years later. I know in 2000 they did put out their collection of demos, demography, and then they re-released Super Cool Nothing in 2002, maybe just to have another go at it. You know, because again, you know, I feel like back in 98, they may have been overshadowed by other releases. But uh, Super Cool Nothing version 2, it's a two-disc thing. It's the same album. But uh, you get a second disc full of like remixes and stuff like that, which is really cool. And then in 2005, they put out the best of 16 volt. But I mean, like I said, those aren't really releases. It just was something, I guess, to fill the gap between 98 and 2007. 
Remixes count in industrial. Remember that. <laughs> hey, for all I know, they could have just been touring on those albums the whole time. And I just, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have that information. Maybe one day I will get it. 2007, Full Black Habit. I have no idea what they're trying to tell me with that album title. The cover does not appear to represent it. Is it a real person or a mannequin, or is it a combination of the two? I, I've stared at this cover for a while, and I just can't. Is it a mannequin? It appears to be a mannequin with very specific lighting, but could easily be a human with very specific makeup. Okay. Now, you can definitely tell it's a mannequin when you look at the shoulder and there's like an arm there, but I don't, you know, that could just be like, you know, manipulated, photoshopped on or something. It's not important, but uh, it's just something I, something I wondered. So what I think is interesting about this record is, you know, we talked about how you know, Super Cool Nothing had kind of thrown the doors open for the band a little bit more as far as making their sound more accessible. This record is interesting because they do the same thing, but they bring back a little bit of that darkness from from their older releases. But they're doing it in the they're doing it in the newer style. And I really I really liked this record because of how staunchly different it sounds. Especially if we're going to call it a comeback album. Like I said, I don't really know if it is a comeback album or not. But uh, it's their first album, their first new material in nine years. So it's fun that they... I'm, one thing I'm really happy about is that they did not go back to the original sound of the first two albums. Instead, it's, a, it's kind of a weird mixture of the older material, like the darkness that was there, with the new kind of out there alternative rock sound. And I just like it overall. I think it's a good representation of industrial in 2007. And uh, I just, I like the mixture again of his kind of distorted vocal, but then also some really nice clean singing is in there as well. And uh, and I, I think that really holds the songs together. Like I said, their chorus game is a lot higher here than it has ever been. And it was a really good return for the band. I, I thought that this was a release that was not too long brought you back in if you were a fan and you'd been starving for new material there's no way that you didn't like this i would go out on a limb to say this record consists of all real musicians and less programming the drums sound like they're being played by a human knowing what fake drums sounded like in 2007 i don't think these were programmed samples yeah they do have a real drummer listed jason bazinet it says he did drum drums and programming which Granted, you know there there is. Uh, it's industrial. It's okay if it yeah, repeats itself. Some of it, some of it's programmed. Uh, one thing that I didn't mention, I should have mentioned up top on the episode that pretty much everything by this band was written by one guy named Eric Powell. Uh, Eric is kind of you know he's the vocalist. He does the programming and the guitars. He's basically the heart and soul of the band. And similar to Nine Inch Nails, and similar to Filter. Uh, you know, it's one guy running the whole show, and then he just he just hires people uh, to either collaborate with or uh, or go on tour with. Just depending on, I don't know what the other members' level of involvement is, but it seems like it's almost a different cast, except for Eric, every single album. But this was this was definitely a lot of fun. But I don't think it's nearly as fun as the next album. 2009 American Porn Songs. This one activates the pit. Oh man, where's Jeff? Hey y'all. Rob Zombie called. He said, stop stealing my album titles. <laughs> <laughs> this is this record's really fucking cool. And it's it's probably my favorite one by the band. Uh, because it's a little bit more super cool nothing. 
it's modernized, but like, you know, like Joe was saying on the previous album, this seems more like it was played by real people. Like th- this is like, a, this is now kind of transformed from being a band that is primarily driven by electronics to being a band that is more driven by writing rock songs and then adding the electronics to it. I could be totally wrong, but that's just the way that it sounds. There's something appealing about the industrial tempo. And although I think Trent Reznor does it better than everybody else, if you slow down industrial like four beats per minute, you get closer to the real tempo of the human mind and the human heartbeat. Somebody who's way more into that sort of thing can tell me how wrong I am, but I always felt like industrial has this ability to tap into how you feel currently. It's one of the reasons why Marilyn Manson is so successful because he tempos it down to almost exactly where it's supposed to be. And then Trent Reznor has a completely different mindset right? with Nine Inch Nails. And I mean, listen to Closer and you'll understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I love how American Porn Songs goes back to the late 90s style of we're going to play it this tempo. We kind of sped it up on Super Cool Nothing and Full Black Habit. But now we're going back to, remember in 1995, Dan, when you bought the cassette and you took it home and you put it in and you hit play and it just felt this way? That's what this record feels like. I do remember that. (laughs) It actually does feel like a record that you bought on cassette, went home and put it on. It just, it, it triggers that mindset of, I remember this beat. I remember this tempo. I remember when music went this fast as opposed to everything that was going on with hardcore at the time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do appreciate this. And like I said, this is this is my favorite out of the bunch because I think, you know, whenever I was talking about how Super Cool Nothing, they, they become their own entity. This is, in my opinion, you know, the second album by that entity, you know, or the third album by that entity where... I'm listening to this cool band that I can't always predict what they're going to do next and they're not they're not necessarily fitting into a mold. I these songs are not predictable. The pacing of the record is perfect. The sequencing is done really well. And, you know, from a production standpoint, they sound better than they've ever sounded. Whereas on some of their older stuff, it was a little bit rough in places. Plus, it's 2009, so you've got that whole indie rock revival thing going on. The fact that this doesn't sound like distorted direct boxes and sounds a little more like real instruments, physical instruments playing music, you're already in on that. Definitely. And it only gets better from here, folks. In 2010, they released a remix version of American Porn Songs, and uh, I did not listen to that. I just didn't have time. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, again, you know, Facebook's a thing. You, You can always comment and let us know what we missed but uh you know i just i I remix album i just (laughs) didn't have time to listen to it counts okay technically this band has like 20 records at this point (laughs) all right i mean you know it's it's whatever you got to tell yourself joe but uh beating dead horses 2011 we got some beef yeah i was i was actually surprised to hear them go heavier I was like, what the fuck is this band doing? Like, they're uh, they're really, really hard to pin down. Like, I definitely didn't hear this. Uh, like, when I was two records in on this discography, I did not expect to be listening to a record like this towards the end. You know, a lot of, a lot of these bands fizzle out. They go alt-rock. They go softer. Um, this one came back with a vengeance. Beefy, beefy guitar. 
It's got that. It's got that industrial sheen on the guitar. It still sounds like a '90s record. It's like my only. It's my only complaint about this band is that all their records sound like '90s records. But I'm I'm not necessarily turned off by that. But it is just interesting. I'm like, man, why the fuck didn't you put this out in 1994? Because this is really cool. It's anthemic. It's it's almost uh, it's almost arena rock in places, which I wasn't prepared for. You know, you know when we were comparing them to Gravity Kills and Marilyn Manson and all that stuff. This is the kind of stuff where they actually started going in that direction. It just took them like a decade. Decade and a half too late, guys. Come on. It's fine, though. I don't dislike the record. It's just... I guess it's not surprising to me that there is still a market, a fan base, and a creative mind for this type of music that still sounds like 1995. I'm happy that it's still here. But it's the opposite of what everybody else is trying to do when they're programming music at home by themselves. There's a huge difference between this and most of the shit that you see listed under DJ insert name online right now today. Right, yeah. This is an actual band. There, there's no, uh, I mean, it's not technically an actual band because, you know, again, it's one guy and then a bunch of collaborators. But, you know, it's still, as far as how it sounds, it's a real band. And I thought this record was cool. I thought it was heavy. It's not my favorite because I just don't think that the songs really stick with me like they did on American Porn songs. But uh, that's not a bad thing. If you're a fan of this band, you're getting what you want. Unfortunately for you, it's going to be like five years before you get another one. 2016, The Negative Space. This record, you can't really stream anywhere. You could buy the album on Bandcamp. But uh, beyond that, I believe this was a completely independent release. I could be wrong about that, but it looks like... If it's on Bandcamp... It's independent, It has to be independent. Yeah, it was released independently in September of 2016. And yeah, the only place you can really listen to it is on Bandcamp. And I I would definitely recommend you to buy it because it is... uh, Again, did you like the last two records? Absolutely. This one keeps the heaviness from the previous release, Beating a Dead Horse, or Beating Dead Horses, but um, they, they've kind of gone back to the more chorus-focused sound of American porn songs, which was, a, which was a, huge, a huge relief to me, because I think that's where this band sounds the best, is when they're doing, um, is, is when, they're, when they're doing kind of more of an alternative rock, a hard rock-based industrial sound. Um, it just sounds better whenever they've got better choruses, a little bit of smooth vocal in there. Um, the dynamics are off the wall, and I think, uh, I think they really killed it on this one. This is probably, opposed to a lot of bands that put out a record independently this late in their career, this is actually the best-sounding 16-volt album. And that just goes to show how easy it is to record a record yourself in, uh, in 2016 versus you know, a label deciding where you're going to record and who you're going to record with. I'm amazed that this record exists in 2016. It's the first time I wanted this band to be more of a Static X-esque new metal band, which they're not that. 16 Volt is very much an alternative industrial band. They've been labeled goth industrial for a long time. Whatever you want them to be, Whatever genre you pick and apply to them that makes you happy is fine with me. Overall, they're an industrial band that plays music better than most of their peers. They stand side by side with other bands that get credit for innovating the genre. And they're putting out, in my opinion, eight unique records with music that spans two decades, I guess three decades, 
if you talk about the inception of the band and still sounds like it came out in 1995. Dude, I'm a 90s kid. I'm all about this. Yeah, I can always appreciate it. And I know as we get older, Joe and I are going to start talking about the 90s like our parents talk about the 70s. But I can't help it. Uh, I, I really enjoy this sound, and it reminds me of being a kid. But it's new songs, and I can't, I can't, you know, I can't deny that. And so I just embrace it. And uh, yeah, I think, I think this is interesting because usually whenever we cover bands on this show, I will say the first four releases are the best. Fuck everything else. And I'm kind of the opposite with this band. I'm like, no, man, the, the last four releases are the best, and the other stuff I could do without. Final thoughts on 16 Volt, Dan. I think if you're a fan of 90s industrial, no matter what part of the 90s it is, and you haven't heard 16 Volt, you need to check them out, man, because they are doing all the shit that you love from your favorite bands from that era, but they're also still doing it now, and they're a band that you could go see now. So I would definitely uh, check them out if you're into that kind of stuff. If you're looking for heavier music, you might want to skip this one. 16 Volt is a band that you should be listening to if you believe the only industrial band that ever existed is Nine Inch Nails. It has nothing to do with the cosmetic similarities. It's unfortunate truth that Many of us look at one band and say, it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like that. Why do you sound like Nine Inch Nails? You should sound more like Nine Inch Nails. Industrial, for me, is a genre that it's very easy to nitpick for no reason. This band has an atmosphere. They have a pace. They have a feel that will remind you of your teenage years, early 20s, if you're a 90s kid. But overall... They're proof that this music not only still exists, but is still being created with the same attitude and the same feeling that we all thought was underground 20 years ago. I agree. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week. Ooh, hmm. What have I been listening to this week? I'm listening to a lot of 16 volts, so that's kind of hard. You know what? Fuck it, that's really all I've really listened to this week. So we'll go with uh, American Porn Songs by 16 Volt. The real question is, what version of the album were you listening to, and do I put spaces in it? Because that was their thing. Everything had no spaces for a while. Oh, oh, let me see. It's not a real question. Oh, okay. I was like, I'll look it up for you, man. (laughs) For me, it's Rob Zombie, Educated Horses. The man who, in his opinion, defined groove metal or groove rock with White Zombie. And Educated Horses is one of those albums that... Kind of sounds like a white zombie record, even though it's not. A little less electronica. There you go. You know, I have a question for this band, and anybody that knows the answer, because I do not. Why does the band from 1996 forward have three-word album titles? There has to be a reason. (laughs) It could just be a joke, but I want to know the answer. Maybe we'll find that out. Try to get Eric on the podcast. Take us out, DFT. Have you ever been listening to the show and thought, man, I love the bands these guys talk about, but I love all these other bands too, and I want them to talk about these bands? We love hearing new bands on the podcast. It's one of my favorite type of episodes to do when I haven't heard a band before, and I'm going in fresh. So in order to keep me going in fresh, there's a lot of different ways you can reach out to us to give us ideas for bands to talk about on the show. Uh, We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash discography discussion. We also have a Facebook group for discography discussion that you can join there. We're on Twitter at Discuss Metal or Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe. You can reach out to us there. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can even join our official Discord server. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. Lots of people talking to us on Discord every day. Get in on that conversation. It's definitely a fun community to be in. 
And uh, that's a that's a variety of ways you can reach out to us. You can leave us comments, obviously, on our YouTube. You can leave us comments on our Podbean page. Just anywhere you're listening to this podcast, you will have the capacity to contact us in some way. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys very soon. And on that note, this has been episode 146 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. 